The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Welcome to this week's edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Mike Mangus, editor of Modern Tire Dealer. Attracting and retaining top talent is tougher than ever. Today's guest, retail tire expert Dennis McCarran, who is a partner at Cardinal Brokers and also writes MTD's monthly business insight column, discusses how to get ahead of the shrinking labor pool and why you may need to get more creative when it comes to finding new people. So let's get to it. Dennis, thank you for joining us once again. It's great to have you back on the Modern Tire Dealer Show today. Great to be back, Mike. Well, we appreciate it. And, um, you know, t- today's topic is is one that's probably uh, got to be the most universal problem facing our readers and our listeners right now. And that's how to work through and work around the incredible labor shortage that we're experiencing. And it seems like every independent tire dealer we've talked with within the last six to nine months has cited the tight labor pool and the challenges associated with that as the number one issue that they face. And your February MTD column explores this topic at length. And in, in that column, you allude to what you call a shrinking technician labor pool. So these are the guys turning wrenches out in the service bays, mounting and balancing tires, installing tire and wheel assemblies. There seems to be an extreme shortage of these folks at the moment. Can can you explain what's happening there and and why the labor pool is starting to dwindle a little bit? Uh, I I can try to. There's, There's a lot of forces at work. Uh, a, a good majority of it is self-inflicted. You know, we kind of did this to ourselves. It's been fomenting for a decade. Um, some of it is um, due to the, the government's push for college. So I'll, I'll start with that. Um, mm-hmm. Just about 15, 20 years ago, the education department and the education system in the United States started to really, really push for everyone to go to college. They, they made a, a sort of declaration that the only way to get ahead in the middle class was to get a college degree. And at the mm-hmm. same time, and, and I'm not, this isn't a conspiracy theory or anything. It just happened to happen at the same time. There was a lot of budgetary cuts and things like music and shop class uh, and like the Votech classes fell onto the knife of budget cuts. So as they pushed the majority of Americans uh, into college, there was a dramatic drop-off in people going into the skilled trade areas. And anybody that's tried to get some work done on their house, some carpentry or some uh, stonemasons knows that it's, it's weeks and weeks and weeks backed up. And, and that's the same thing for mechanics. There's just been a, a dramatic decline in people entering that workforce for a career. Uh, for a time, there was still people that dabbled in it and, and would collect a paycheck, but it wasn't the career of their choice. 
Um, so that that was sort of the the first salvo fired into this really big problem, mm-hmm. quagmire that we're in. Uh, this this the second thing that happened, and it's in tandem to that, is if if the government's pushing that you have to have a college degree. Mm-hmm then anybody that doesn't have a college degree is sort of looked down upon. Um, You know, I remember personally, uh, when I was started out in the stores, I had a a girlfriend's father uh, chide me that I I worked with my hands. Um, Like there wasn't any brain function involved in the Mm -hmm. job. And oddly enough, he was a brain surgeon. So he worked with his hands too. But so, so there was this convergence of those two uh, concepts pushing people away from the trades. Um, and now we've had a pandemic to where an aging workforce was accelerated. Uh, a number of years ago, I was citing a source, I believe it's within ASE that was saying the average age of an ASE master certified technician was approaching 60 years old. And now the new data says that the average age of an ASE master certified technician is in the 40s. And that's not because there was a big crush of people entering the workforce. It's because the those master certified technicians that were near their 60s left and retired. um, So we have much, much less uh, or fewer uh, employees out in the shop over generally speaking best ballpark the same number of shops that are that are out there working on vehicles mm-hmm. so those those things have really compressed and ex- exacerbated the situation um, so now shops that were maybe one technician down or two or three technicians down for the volume uh, and then you add in um, the low interest and the free money that's been going around during the pandemic. Good thing is people are taking that money and making sure their car works so that they can get to work every day. Um, but the majority of customers right now are saying yes to most repairs because they can afford it. They've, they've gotten flush um, with money. Right. So we're just in this space. It's, it's, it's very, very painful to be in. And quite honestly, anybody that knows me uh, in the industry or has been to uh, any events where I speak, I've, I've been begging the industry to professionalize themselves, to up the ante, to focus more on training and pay better for the people that do the work in the industry, the, the technicians. Um, you know, technicians should be on par with any master certified carpenter or electrician or plumber and and we're not there yet so you've got a situation where where demand is really robust and will probably only increase in the coming year but the ability to service that demand is declining for for a variety of factors some of which you you covered already in, in, a, in a squeeze like that, what should our listeners do? What are some potential solutions? You, you mentioned upping the ante in terms of uh, technician compensation. Uh, anything else that, that our listeners can implement? It, there, there's a lot of, there's, there's no silver bullet. Um, you know, every shop is going to have a take on this. They're, they're going to be affected a little differently. When you, when you have multiple things putting pressure on your shop, 
it's going to be to different varying degrees. So each shop's going to have to sort of find the right solution for them. But one of the things uh, that I think is, is, is important, it's going to be counterintuitive and it, and it may make people scratch their head at first. But if you have what we call a woodpecker in your shop, which is someone with a, at least a moderate amount of skill, but their attitude is really, really poor, mm-hmm. you have to get rid of that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can give them an opportunity to correct themselves. It's pretty rare that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that person is preventing you from getting other good employees into your shop. And it's mm-hmm. also chasing the good ones you have away. Nobody wants to work with that guy yeah. or gal. And now that we're in uh, an employee-dominated market, in other words, these guys can go anywhere and almost command their own paycheck, they will go seek out better places of employment. They don't want to work next to the guy who's slamming his tools, who mumbles under his breath, Right. complains about everything. So to me, that's that's sort of step number one is you have to clean your own house. So you're saying reach, sure. re- reach into that barrel, grab the bad apple, toss it away. Yeah, I, I've been doing this almost 30 years. And in almost every shop that I go into, there is a woodpecker. And, and I point it out and they, oh, I can't let that guy go. Oh, I need him. I need him. And never, Mike, never in almost 30 years has letting that person go made a shop go down or collapse. Mm-hmm. It's always improved the shop. Mm-hmm. So that's really the number one. You, you cannot reward that type of worker with a pay increase because that's step number two, which is take the people that you do have and, and the ones that are not only good at what they do, but they have the right attitude and they're open to training or learning something new pay that person really well. And, and I know a lot of people listening might be saying, well, gee, you know, times are tough and I don't have a lot of money. And this comes back to the drum that I always beat. You got to raise your labor rate. We, we are, we have a golden opportunity in this moment to seriously catch up to the other trades and professions. Mm-hmm. We, we can, due to the shortage, right, due to the fact that people can't get their car worked on in some areas, you can command a much higher labor price dutifully, not, you know, trying to pocket it. I'm going to tell you, this is where you need to spend it. So it's not a matter of making the owner richer. The owner should be making a decent salary for what they do. But you have, we have to play catch up. It's like uh, some people do with their 401k at the end of the year. Yeah, we got to get more money in the coffers so that we can get more money into the workers. And also we have to start looking for opportunities of, of quality training, not only for technicians, but also for salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another aspect of it, of it too. You know, the, our, our readers and listeners tell us all the time, it's not just the, the folks in, in the service phase of the garage, who are tough to hang on to and, and tough to recruit. It's uh, service riders, salespeople, inside and out, the gentleman behind the counter or the gal behind the counter. It's, it's not just uh, th- those folks who are, are uh, uh, performing surgery on, on vehicles. It's, it's the whole gamut. It, it is the whole gamut. And, and to stay on the, the, the idea of training, a lot of guys will tell me that there's a tremendous amount of churn at the lower end of, of the tech, the entry-level technician, either the oil changer or the entry-level installer. And I, and I have to say, that's also 
predominantly a self-inflicted wound where we're not making really good hiring decisions. We're making hiring decisions based on desperation. Yeah. Yeah. Expediency. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, essentially, I'm desperate. I need somebody. This guy breathes. He has a toolbox. I'll hire him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes those seem to be the only qualifications in a pinch. Sometimes. It feels like that sometimes. I, I, I'm being a little glib, but. Right. Um, the, the second thing is our, our training of new hires. Uh, if, if we want to professionalize the industry, then we have to look at how professional industries already operate. And I'm not saying we have to mimic everything that they do, but in a lot of instances, we hire a person, you know, they tell us what they think they can do. And then immediately out into the shop, they go and we cross our fingers and hope they don't make mistakes. And, mm -hmm. and then we also put deadlines, like get this oil change done in 20 minutes. I need this flat repair yeah. done right now. So you have somebody that is, is lower on this, the skill range who has to think through the steps of what they're doing because it's not automatic like a guy that's been doing it 20 years, mm -hmm. we're putting a time crunch on him. He's feeling that every, he or she is feeling that every day. That's pressure. That's real pressure. And we all know shops can be a little rough anyway with communication. We, we you know, mm -hmm. we're all pretty blunt. I'm a, I'm a blunt person. Mm -hmm. um, so then there's a treatment issue and then there's a, I'm in over my head and all of a sudden that guy swept out and, and we say, well, he wasn't cut out for it. But if we spent more time and we had better training, you know, you don't have to send everybody out to, you know, every quality training program that's out there. You can mm -hmm. do it in-house. Mm -hmm. The key to in-house is one-on-one -on -one and taking time pressure off of them. And I, and I know a lot of people listening are saying, are you kidding me? I'm already busy. I don't have the time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to argue this is the faster way of doing it, that this is going to get the person up to speed faster mm -hmm. than having them trip every day over their own feet for the next eight, mo eight months, if they make it that long. If they make it, right. And in order to do that, we have to raise our prices so we can pay for these kinds of things. You know, training shouldn't come down to how much money you have in the bank and it shouldn't come down to how much time you have. It, it's, it's like unlocking the door every day. There should be a routine to it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a few minutes ago that the funnel of high school grads in Votech programs uh, who, who, wants, who want to enter the skilled trades was cut off many, many, many years ago. We're seeing fewer and fewer of uh, those young people. Does this mean that Listeners, readers, tire dealers need to expand their search, cast a wider net than perhaps in the past? Uh, absolutely. They're, they're fishing in the same pond and there's no fish there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, or you could do the, you know, who moved my cheese analogy. Um, the, there has to be some creative ways of, of getting people interested that maybe haven't thought of this as a career. Um, and again, one of those things is it has to pay better. You, ha you have to get people interested in doing this um, and, and go out and, and, and find those you know, jobs that correlate but don't necessarily line perfectly up, like, uh, like you know, the waiting at the graduation line after you know, some technical school <laughs> graduates at senior class. Right. You know, maybe it is a, a, you know, 
someone that works a physical job, uh, like a stock person or, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, a truck driver or for people down in South Central, you know, somebody that works out in the oil fields. Um, you know, it, that's a hard job. It's physically demanding, um, tough hours. All those things are in common with our industry. Mm-hmm. And that way you only have to overcome the, you know, I don't know how to change oil or I don't know how to fix a flat tire. And that's the easiest thing to teach somebody. You can't teach them to tuck their shirt in or come to work on time. You can't teach them to work in the cold and work in the hot. You can't teach those things. Um, but it, it doesn't take very long to teach somebody how to do a flat repair correctly. So what you're, so what you're saying is at least at that level, uh, to coin a phrase, you should, you should uh, look for attitude rather than aptitude. If, if, you, if you're really that far, yes. I mean, I would prefer to have some aptitude, like I said, mm-hmm. a, a correlating skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, to me, in all the years I've been doing this, it, the attitude is the thing that gets somebody to get through the rough spots, right? Every shop yeah. is going to have a conflict at some point. There, there's going to be a, a blow up or you know, people are upset because you're trying to satisfy the company, the customer, and the employee. So that's not all three of those things can always be harmonious. Right. So if somebody is starting out with a bad attitude, it, it doesn't take much for them to, to really spin off, you know, and in, into a, a dimension of anger that makes them, it makes them think of looking for a new job or makes the owner think of helping them go look for a new job. So I, I do, I think attitude is absolutely critical um, and an open mind, you know, somebody can be good at their job, but if they're not willing to go to a class and learn about EV or learn about, you know, uh, driverless technology or, you know, whatever's coming down the horizon right now, mm. you know, that's a problem too. Um, you know, just like we're not all working on 13 and 14 inch wheels anymore, you know, you gotta... Mm-hmm. might not right. like working on low profile tires but yeah you know, kind of have to at this point dennis as we're winding up this episode any other thoughts on the labor pool situation uh solutions that our listeners can can implement at their own shops workarounds what what they should be thinking of next yeah i Again, I, I don't have a silver bullet. I, I never have in 30 years. A lot of the problems we face are complex, but I do know looking for it the old way isn't working. Um, so in, in that regard, it's sort of twofold. Number one, you have to dedicate time right now to going out and looking for good people. You, you can't just put a sign outside that says help wanted. There's, mm-hmm. uh, I was just looking at some data the other day. There's the unemployment rate of a certified technician is down below 2% right now. There, there are no technicians looking for a job, um, save for the few who are, don't like their boss and, and want to change. But they probably already have yeah. picked who want to work for them. So you can't go about it the old way. And, and putting an ad on Indeed is not a new way of doing it. That's just a different, that, that's just a digital version of a help wanted sign. Yeah. Um, technicians just, they're not on indeed they're just not i mean do that but that can't be your only thing that you do 
you have to get out there and you have to drum up your own employees at this point and and you know get out into the community mm-hmm. you know start interacting with the different schools and and the the different um groups and 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 um community efforts that are out there and 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 start promoting the industry it's, it's if you're not going to get active and and do stuff like that you, you're going to continue to shrink you know, it seems like we almost need an industry-wide cohesive effort uh, to 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 promote the the fact that you can have a very satisfying, financially lucrative career working at a tire dealership, whether I, it's behind yeah. the sales counter or in the bay. I agree with you. I, I think some sort of like uh, I don't want to kind of use their name in vain, but some kind of TIA level. Mm-hmm. Um, organization that's that's out there promoting the industry, you know, and and saying, look, you know, and I, 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 I'm just saying this off the top of my head. You can get two hundred thousand dollars in debt and get a forty thousand dollar paying job, or you can get out there and start learning a skill and make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in your third year without debt, other than maybe some tools. I I don't know. It's it certainly would help. It's obviously a big, multifaceted, complex problem that we're facing and our listeners are facing. You know, as you said, initially dating back a long time, this has been in the works for a while. So, you know, conversely, it's it's not going to be something that uh, the industry solves overnight. But, you know, advice from, from people such as yourself, Dennis, tremendously appreciated, super, super valuable. I'm sure our listeners yeah, you've given them some great food for thought here and, and things to uh, mull over, you know, as they think about the future of their shop. So I want, want to thank you again for your time and all the great insight and you know, look forward to having you on a future edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. Absolutely, Mike. Me too. The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSB20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Thanks for listening to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. To contact Dennis, email him at dennis at cardinalbrokers.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L-B-R-O-K-E-R-S.com. Don't forget to pick up the newest copy of MTD available now and stay tuned to moderntiredealer.com for late-breaking tire industry news. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.